You're listening to Liberty Buzzard with Dustin Hammett and Thomas Umstead Jr. And today we have some breaking news, at least breaking as we record this. The Supreme Court has ruled on the cake speech wars of the 2000s. I think that as historians study this period of time, uh, they won't be remembering our beautiful electric cars, our self-driving cars, our technology, our smartphones. They will be talking about the cake speech wars, what you can and cannot put on a cake, and can you force somebody else to put something on the cake that they disagree with. This is, I don't know how cake makers got stuck in the middle of this political war, but I find it super fascinating. Yeah, it's definitely fascinating. And it's, I mean, it's kind of interesting how it came about. But keep in mind, this is a case that's been going on how long? Six years now? It took six years to get to the Supreme Court? When the, when the case was started, uh, gay marriage was still illegal according to federal law, which is actually one of the things that they talk about in the Supreme Court decision. So for those of you who haven't heard, the Supreme Court ruled that it is indeed illegal or that the um, Colorado government did act uh, improperly in punishing somebody who didn't want to put um, a message, a gay marriage message on the cake or make a special cake for uh, a gay wedding because they felt that it was compelled speech and not just compelled speech, but that um, it was unfair. The ruling was unfairly enforced. So for instance, the same uh, like tribunal, uh, it's not actually what it is, but they are acting like a tribunal. (laughs) People would come to cake makers and want to put an anti-gay message on a cake and the uh, cake baker would say, no, I don't want to put an anti-homosexual uh, message on this cake. And it would go before the tribunal. And the tribunal's like, yeah, that's fine. No one can force you to say something against gay marriage. And it's like, wait a minute. That, that knife can't cut just one way. That's not how the law works. You have to apply the law fairly regardless of who somebody is. And forcing people to say stuff that they disagree with is a violation of the first amendment. Like it's, it would be as bad as telling them that they couldn't speak at all. It's worse actually. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Um, I remember, I, I remember I did it 15 minutes ago, but I was looking through some of the comments. I got the uh, news via Twitter and I was looking through the Twitter mob and the news source that I had. It's pretty left leaning. So most of the people on there were decrying the decision talking about going back to Jim Crow era, et cetera, et cetera. And here's the big problem. I, I, I'm a very live and let live kind of guy, right? Um, and I don't believe that the government coming in and saying, y- 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 telling people who they can and cannot work with is the right thing to do. I think the market's going to sort itself out. Um, do I think it's 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 a right thing to do? Not necessarily, but if if the market says that you're being a jerk, you know what? The market's going to punish you, and you're going to go out of business. But to have the government come in and say that you have to do this, or you have to do that, it's a slippery slope. Because then where does it end? Where does it end? That's my big question. And it actually hurts the case. So if you're for equality and equality of marriage, 
you need to remember that a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. And if you use the force of the government to force that person to pretend to agree with you, he will harbor his lack of agreement in his heart and the other shoe will eventually drop. This is where the pendulum uh, of society comes from. And now, not all issues are on a pendulum, right? There is no one or no one of any consequence who's in the pro-slavery camp or even in the pro-Jim Crow camp, right? You don't see uh, those kinds of signs. And, and not just because there's a law, but even if you didn't have a law, I don't think you'd see whites only anything anymore because the backlash, the free speech of the people of the United States would be so loud that that company couldn't continue to exist. And, you know, just because you can't use the sword of the state to accomplish your objectives doesn't mean you can't still boycott. It doesn't mean you can't still protest and use all of these other means of free expression. The, the beautiful thing about free speech is that if there is speech that you don't like, the solution is not less free speech. It's more exactly free right. speech, right? The Supreme Court ruled this when the Klan wanted to have a march down, you know, Washington, D.C., and some people were trying to block it. And, the Supreme, and this is years ago. And the Supreme Court said, you know, th what the Klan stands for is terrible. But the answer is not less speech. It's more speech. And so the Klan had their little march, and they had, you know, 50 people, 100 people there marching in their stupid little, you know, outfits. And there was like 10,000 people protesting against them. And I was like, that's what we want. That's a much more powerful image than those 10,000 people passing a law so that the 100 losers couldn't do their little march. Uh, so I think that more free speech is the answer here. I completely agree with you, Thomas. Uh, and here's the thing about the speech for you know freedom in general freedom most people don't realize freedom's really hard because it means you don't only get your way but other people get their way too and you have to work together you got to tolerate um, no, i just want that, freedom for my me and my people exactly i don't want freedom for those other losers <laughs> exactly no freedom's really hard the freedom of speech is one of the hardest freedoms to to, to have because exactly what i said you have to be able to tolerate it from everybody um, and I think but what if in, somebody in, hurts my feelings? Don't I have the right not the to problem, have my feelings right. hurt? No, you have a right to speech. There's nothing in the Constitution that says you have a right to not have your feelings hurt. Nothing in there that says that. I really like what I got a quote here from uh, Justice Kennedy uh, from the decision, which I haven't read in complete yet, but I think you read the executive summary. It says these disputes must be resolved with tolerance without undue disrespect to sincere religious beliefs and without subjecting gay persons to indignities when they seek goods and services in an open market. So, well, I, now that I read about it, that's, that last part was kind of uh, ambiguous because, I mean, what does it mean to without subjecting gay persons to indignities? I'm, I think I'm, I'm, I'm subjected, Thomas, to indignity every time I'm caught in Austin traffic, and I don't like that. <laughs> I was subjected to indignity anytime I shop at Walmart after nine o'clock at night because uh, I've been classified as a Walmart person. Uh, I don't appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to be on the faces of Walmart anytime soon? Oh, I sure hope not. Uh, but the, the reality is, or what's interesting about this case is that it's a seven to two ruling. So it's not your typical five, four ruling. Several of the you know, quote unquote, left leaning judges uh, switched over and voted with the uh, conservative majority. And I think the reason they did this is that they can see very easily how this can be used the other way. Right. And, and I've, I've actually, you know, I've talked with 
uh, people who who are in gay marriages and they're like, yeah, I don't remember. It was that long ago when we were the ones who are being you know persecuted, and we know that that can go back the other way, right? So like yeah. the, the strong That's state true. who's like controlling what people can and cannot do is really scary. And just because it's on your side, and if you're a social justice warrior and you feel like you know the tide is with you, the tide isn't always going to be with you. And if if you introduce force, and let's face it, you know going to the government and trying to have somebody's business shut down by using the sword of the state is force right if this yeah, guy didn't doesn't shut down his business in accordance with the you know ruling from the tribunal he's put in jail like that is force uh, that's that is an escalation that i think is a very scary escalation and i'm i'm not often happy with what the supreme court does but i'm happy with this on on free speech rounds primarily and also the other thing they talked about is freedom of religion which is also in the first uh amendment to the constitution so you know he has two really solid clauses you have freedom of speech and freedom of religion and this tribunal really had negative things to say about his his religion and comparing it to like nazi germany and you know this is a person who is not anyway I, it was uh it's not fair <laughs> no i agree I, with I'm you glad that they ruled this way and i think that people get people get that confused yes we have a doctrine in the united states separation of church and state um, and there's good reason for that. There's good uh, uh, philosophy behind that of why the founding fathers created it that way. But it says, that, you know, the Bill of Rights says the freedom of religion, not freedom from religion. And to go off on a segue here, I'm reminded of the, I think I read about this this weekend, the American Legion uh, tribute to the, 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 the cross. Uh, and I can't remember where it is. I'm going to have to look it up. Um, there is an appeals court that ruled because it's in the shape of a cross, which is the shape of Christianity, that it must be taken down. And it's been there for 75 years, 100 years, something like that. It's this American Legion dedication to World War One uh, soldiers who, who, who died in Europe. And I just I, I think to myself, those appeals court decisions um, and you, it's in a public place. We can't even look at religious symbols anymore. And I think that's going a little bit over. And I think this is kind of in that same vein. You know, we the freedom of speech is a difficult freedom to abide. You know, whether you're a Christian, whether you're a Muslim, Buddhist, what have you, you're going to have to be able to abide and tolerate other other aspects or other people's views. And that's the that's one of the hardest things to do uh, for a human being. It really is. I mean, we all want to we all want to be stuck in our own little world. What do these freedom from religion people want? Do they want all of the graves in Normandy to be plowed up? I've been, if you're offended by crosses, let me tell you, I've been to Europe. I've been to the graveyards and there are a lot of crosses, acres and acres and acres of crosses sitting over tombs of soldiers who have died, military uh, men and women who have died. And it's not all crosses. There's some stars of David from time to time and some other things, but they're, you know, and I, Justin, I don't know how this works. Like, do you designate ahead of time? Like if you were to die in combat, what kind of symbol you want over your grave? I don't know how that works. Yeah. You, uh, uh, you, but, you, 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 uh, I mean, when you have your personal information, you can choose your um, your your preferred religion. So obviously, if you're Catholic, you choose Catholic. If you're uh, Buddhist, you can choose Buddhist. Yeah, you can choose your preferred religion. Um, it used to be on dog tags. I think it still is. Um, obviously, for the reason that you know, back in the in the good old days when they would bury you where you died, um, they would just uh, look at your dog tags and see what religion you were and put that uh, appropriate 
appropriate sign up there. So yeah, that I think that answers your question. It does. So, you know, how dare they? <laughs> it's like, yeah. how dare they like challenge these symbols? It it's it's okay for you to put up new symbols, but don't destroy what's already come. Like I I just think that's so obnoxious. And the other shoe is going to drop and I don't think they're going to like it when it does. No, and that's exactly right. It is uh it's a very slippery slope and I think we both know that. Um you start taking down statues and monuments, you know, that were erected 100 or, you know, even 50 plus years ago. Um, and, you know, where, where do you stop? You know, do we, do we suddenly become, uh, ISIS? Do we suddenly become Al Qaeda where we start blowing up Buddhist, uh, statues that were carved thousands of years ago because we don't agree with them? I mean, where does it stop? That, that is pretty much what it equates to, to me is, you know, you have Al Qaeda over there blowing up these ancient Buddhist statues that were in the side of a cliff face and you have social justice warriors that want to take down a cross, uh, because they don't agree with it. I, People are going to call that hyperbole, but frankly, I just don't see how that much of a difference. I don't think it's that big of a stretch. Yeah, think, speaking of things being a bit of a stretch, I don't know if you saw, but Trump has declared on Twitter, quote, I have the absolute right to pardon myself. Uh, so apparently the presidential pardon power applies to the presidency now at least according to donald j trump president of the united states of america and uh i don't know what your thoughts are on this but this is very scary to me because i've studied roman history and in roman history there was this uh roman republic there was this concept that the executives were immune from prosecution so as long as you stayed in an elected office they couldn't go after you the courts for whatever bad things that you did which seemed like a good idea at the time, right? It keeps the courts from taking over the government. But the downside is, is that if you have somebody like Julius Caesar, who's totally going to get arrested for the bad stuff that he's done, uh, he now cannot not win a race. And he's basically forced to take over the entire Roman Republic and turn it into an empire in order to stay out of jail. <laughs> it's like, you don't realize what you're doing. This is not a good idea. <clears throat> You know, so I think it's a really tricky question, and I don't think it's been legally defined. I'm not a not a constitutional scholar by any stretch of the imaginations, but I don't I don't know if it's really ever been discussed. Can a president legally pardon himself? And uh, I mean, well, I guess there's only one he, way to find out. Yeah. So whether or not he can has not been tested, right? Because most presidents have the decency to resign if there is allegations against them. Like Nixon at least had the decency to resign from office after he, you know, was caught doing what now is really minor stuff. Yeah, I mean, right. The stuff that <laughs> Nixon was doing was like normal activity for the um, Clinton campaign. That was normal activity for the Trump campaign. And yet Nixon, who we think traditionally think of as a scumbag like he had the he had the decency to resign he wasn't like oh i'm president i can pardon myself for the white uh, water scandal and it's like oh yeah there was no problem here and that's really scary now here's how it will work so let's say that sure the president has the right to pardon himself doesn't say in the constitution that he can't pardon himself that doesn't mean that he can't still be impeached and removed from office. So the uh, pardon only helps him with certain kinds of laws. And it, it it's doesn't only, yeah, it's only criminal law. No one's saying, yeah, no one's saying that it supersedes the act of Congress and the act of the Senate. And I'd be very curious 
to see uh, if he's able to – if this were to happen, if I, I would definitely vote to impeach him because I feel like that – more importantly than any issue right now. Like we have issues that come and go. We're going to change the tax you know, laws one way or another, health care. These things are always changing and always in flux. But other things, once they happen, once the horses are out of the barn, you can never get them back in the barn. And extending executive power is like that. You never have a president who's like, I'm going to make the presidency less powerful powerful every president makes the presidency more powerful and every president brings us one step closer to some kind of totalitarian totalitarian form of government that one's a hard one to say it's a hard to even think about this is america (laughs) totalitarian totalitarian dictatorship now i'm not saying that trump is a totalitarian totalitarian oh that's a hard one it is a hard one. But I am saying that he's brought us one step closer. But so did Obama. Obama, you know, had his, like, private army that he had. And so did Bush. And the president that took us the most steps towards it was the first Roosevelt, believe it or not. He was the first one who really ex- expanded the role of the executive. And all of the presidents, more or less, since him, have been doing the same. And that's a scary trend. And it's a trend that Trump is doubling down on. So while, you know, H.W. Bush may not have done that much to expand the power of the presidency, Trump is doing every single thing he possibly can to make the executive stronger. And that is not what it, America is. America is not about a strong executive. We fought a war against a strong executive. We called them kings in those days, and we created a system of government so that we would never have a king again. <sighs> you know, Thomas, I really... I go back and forth on Trump. Some days I think, man, he's just he's just dumb. And then other days I'm thinking, he's not dumb. He's an evil genius. Like, is Kim Kardashian dumb? You know, maybe she is, but in a certain way, she's kind of an evil genius because she's, she's dumb driving all the way to the bank. So I go back and forth on Trump. As far as him being able to pardon himself, I kind of wonder if if that's just a shtick. That he's 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 pinning in the ground, kind of in a Scott Adams evil genius way. Um, I don't know if it's something that he would actually test, um, but you know, there's only one way to find out. But the beauty of our government is this is the checks and balances, and if it's something that needs to be tested, I guarantee you, there's going to be a lot of people out there that that are going to want to, they're going to want to contest it. So, am I scared of him pardoning himself? Not necessarily. Because a, what is he going to pardon himself from? Um, you know, what what are, what are the what are the accusations that we are discussing here? It's collusion with Russia, right? To to win the election is that is that the accusation he's that that's you that's, that's your understanding, yeah, the, right? The Russia scandal, which is totally not a story. Russia is. So if you look at what Russia was doing, just a real quick tangent on this. Russia would host a protest, and they would host a counter protest. And Russia would be behind both of them. Yeah. Russia isn't pro-Trump. Russia is pro-chaos. Exactly. Sure, right. Russia was doing things to promote Trump. Russia was also doing things to promote Hillary. Yeah. And specifically trying to promote the loudest, craziest voices on the far right and the far left. That's what Russia's trying to do. You can't defeat the United States militarily, but you can create a civil war that causes the United States to ignore you for a long time. So you can do whatever you want in Eurasia, which is actually what Russia wants. That's Russia exactly doesn't right. want a strong Trump presidency. They want this Russia <laughs> controversy to go on as long and as loud as possible because that again weakens the United States. Okay, so back to Trump. 
No, and you're exactly right. So, I mean, it's not like he's pardoning himself from, you know, a Kevin Spacey, House of Cards type of murder. I don't think he's going to pardon himself from pushing someone in front of a train. Um, so, I mean, we're talking about degrees of badness here. Uh, but we're also talking about precedent. So, precedent. So, let's say he doesn't push somebody in front of a train, but let's say the next president is, let's say it's Hillary Clinton, just for example. Let's imagine she's going to live for another 30 years. After eight years of Trump, Hillary runs again. She finally gets her win. And now she's president with all of the powers of the executive that Trump gave her that didn't exist before. That is what's the scary thing. So, sure, you may love Trump and everything he's doing is the best. But remember, he is not going to be president forever. There's going to be somebody after him. And the Democrats are going to have another president. <laughs> this is how this works. Sometimes it's a Republican. Sometimes it's a Democrat. And never give power to the president that you're not okay with the other party having when it's their term in office. I guess I'm just not overly concerned with it because that power I'm not particularly concerned with. I don't see, and maybe I'm being naive, but I don't see a president committing a murder while that president is sitting in office and then pardoning themselves. I don't see that as something that could potentially be survived, especially in this day and age, you know? Um, I, I, I don't see that happening. Um, so I guess I'm not overly concerned with it, especially in my mind when I'm thinking to myself, uh, the whole Russia thing is kind of ridiculous because it's like... <laughs> It's like the Democrats saying, you know, you can't meddle in our elections. Only we can meddle in our elections. And yeah, so I think the whole thing is kind of kind of silly. And I think a lot of it's just Trump bluster. Would he ever actually do it? I don't know. I mean, we have to sit here and wait and see. We have to we can't exactly indict the man before he's committed the crime. I will say that's part of his genius, though, is that you never know what's bluster and what's real because he often will hide reality behind what sounds like a lot of bluster. And so it's very difficult to predict what he is going to do. And I, I feel like with North Korea, that's actually been very effective. That whole what is real, what is not, yeah. you know, throwing up lots of smoke, right? You don't know where he is. He's like a ninja in the night. That's <laughs> like, exactly right. It's the, been very successful. Is the meeting going to happen? Is it not going to happen? I don't know. Um, but uh, Kim Jong-un's definitely, or Kim Jong-il's definitely nervous. It is in. Yeah. Soon. Anyway, we, we want to know what you think, uh, whether it's about the first story about the cake is it a good thing that um, you can now no longer force your cake maker to make a cake they don't want? Or is this uh, moving us backwards into the era of Jim Crow? And of course, Trump pardoning himself. Uh, good idea. Bad idea. Let us know in the comments at libertybuzzard.com. 